Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. It's great to be back. So, uh, did you have a good uh, good trip? I did. I did. I in uh, we were in. I was in Bangkok um, for two weeks, week and a half. Yeah. Um, and I did not see a single Tesla the whole time I was there. I don't think I I saw a single electric vehicle of any sort. Hmm. Um, I did see like you know a Bentley, an R8. Um, I saw a lot of S class. Um, you know, plenty of high end vehicles, but no uh, no Tesla. I mean, I wasn't car spotting the whole time. And yeah. to be fair, walking around Bangkok, like on the sidewalks is really kind of a full focus activity. The, mm-hmm. the sidewalks are very, it's kind of like skiing moguls here. You have to really be focused on what you're doing because, you know, they, they dip out, there's holes, they're uneven, there's low overhangs. It's, it's really, uh, it's quite a full, full, uh, full activity. Full attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm still a little jet lag too. So you're going to get some wonderful little stalls like that. This will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be good. This will, be, this will make for good audio. So are you drinking? Everyone will be so happy that I'm back. Are you, are you drinking anything? <laughs> I was too tired to make a cocktail. So um, maybe some people will be happier about this. I've cracked open a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, There's I have, a beer contingent who... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. I don't even remember what this is. This is a, a Modern Times. Um, they are out of San Diego, I believe. Um, and they you might be able to get those um, around. This is a Critical Band, which is a kind of a tropical, uh, very mellow IPA. Okay. Uh, it's really very good. Um, and I happen to have a can of it in the, in the fridge. Um, so that, yeah, that is, uh, that is what I'm enjoying tonight. How about you? I'm, uh, I've got a new drink, uh, a Newark. Have Newark. you heard of this drink? You named a drink after Newark? I mean, it's <laughs> out of the, New Jersey. It, I mean, it's out of the PDT book. So, <laughs> oh, okay. It is a it's a brandy fernet maraschino and sweet vermouth. Oh, I think I have made that before. Yeah, yeah. How do you like it? Um, I'm you know I'm a fan of the citrus drink. So uh, when I when I don't have citrus, it's always a little bit trickier. So <laughs> I do. I do like it. It's a little bit, it's definitely pretty well balanced and not too weird. Like it's not too sour or not too, um, too bitter, like a Negroni. So I actually like it. And the Fernet is not overwhelming, which it tends to do in any <laughs> yeah, drink like the, it's a part of. The Fernet and the Chartreuse really just kind of dominate any drink that you put them in. Yeah. It tastes a lot like the old, the old pal, which I like. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. I would, it is not on the bottom, but it is not in the top quartile. So <laughs> right York. in the middle. Better cocktail than airport. <laughs> yeah. But that's probably, that's probably good. So, um, this is kind of an interesting episode because we, uh, I tweeted out something on our, our Twitter, um, a few days ago and, uh, was extremely fortunate to get to drive the model three. <gasps> I feel like we need, if we had sound effects, this would be great. Pretty awesome. So, yeah. uh, so basically we'll, we'll sort of run. Like when you say you drive it, you drove it. Not like the, we drove in a model three uh, debacle like last time. Yeah. People got very upset about that. Uh, <laughs> I, we were not trying to mislead people. We no. drove in a model three. I don't know how else to say. I mean, we could, road, we could have I said, think they, yeah, I think they were pushing for road. We rode in a model three. Okay. Yeah. Like if you say you drove in an Uber, people would probably assume that you were like getting paid, not the person sitting in the back. All right. That's fair. So we, I was actually in the driver's seat and, uh, you know, in control of the vehicle. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, the providence of this was essentially one of our, uh, listeners, uh, had, had reached out and, uh, a true friend of the pod, 
a true friend of the pod, yes. A best friend of the pod. They are now, yes, and uh, they know who they are. We will not reveal their identity, um, but uh, they, they, they reached out and we had been in contact a little bit and, and they had recently taken delivery of their, uh, of their car. And, uh, and so um, you were unfortunately not around, um, but not. otherwise you would have been able to uh, attend. <laughs> for sure and uh and so i think that was definitely uh dis- slightly disappointing to you but hopefully um we'll i was get eating you- well so you know yeah that, we'll that get you good. in one eventually um so they uh set it up and um we went to a uh you know a safe a safe location and it was sort of a fun place we went to the rosewood which um for folks who are uh, watch Silicon Valley, <laughs> the TV show, uh, it features prominently as one of the sort of the famous hotspots here in Silicon Valley. Did you get any uh, funding while you were there? No, we didn't get any funding, but uh, I think we, we definitely saw some VCs. Uh, and some... Did, a, did a test drive, closed a seed round, you know, yeah, as one does. As one does. So, but what was funny is, um, so they pulled, they pulled up and we parked in the EV spot, which is pretty prime. And as I was sort of getting, looking around the car and they were showing me some of the exterior details, this family, uh, this father, mother, uh, two little kids and a grandmother came by. And I, I can't remember if they were model s owners or they just were interested in the model three and they were like is that a model three and like it was just parked there for three or four minutes we were just (laughs) literally standing outside the car just doing a little walk around and they kind of came over and and the the folks who uh the owner was very gracious and sort of told them about the car as well and uh it was just very funny because they were asking like oh how how's it drive and you know how's it compared to the model s or the model x and you know pointing out little details and so it was just sort of funny experiencing uh, sort of as a fly on the wall a little bit like what they must experience anytime they park the car and they're nearby in the Bay Area because we were not there for more than a few moments and this family came in and was like all over, you know, finding out more about the car. So so that was pretty cool. Um, so the, the early Model 3s are really not for introverts. I don't think so. No, I yeah. think you're very much have to. Sort you're of, a brand ambassador at that point. Yes, um, and uh, I guess that's also a good reason why a lot of them are owned by the the, the employees who have yeah. a uh, you know know a lot about the car and obviously big fans uh, of the company. So um, exterior details. What can I say? Um, you know, we've seen them in person. We've been very fortunate to go to the events and see them and spotting them around here, but. When you're just inches away from the car, uh, it... <laughs> can you focus when you're that close? Well, it's, it's just a little different because you can, you know, see the, see the wheels and see all the curves and see all the gaps and just sort of get a much better sense for the presence of the vehicle. And I would say that, you know, in, in, in comparing it to... There is a lot of nice cars at the Rosewood. And it really does look like a modern, futuristic car in person. Like the sheet metal is just extremely smooth. This car was, you know, brand new. The paint was perfect. It was very clean. And so it was a dark, the the, metal, um, the midnight silver color. Oh, yeah. so sort of panels all lined up properly. Yeah, everything was really, um, really tight on the on the vehicle from the panels to the the frunk uh, is sort of you know notoriously tricky because you've got there's just a lot of panel to to see and if it's a slightly off center you could tell um, all the all the trim around the the windows was perfectly aligned. 
the, um, big, the big IMAX sticking up from the dashboard. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the interior was great too. But the, so on, like on from the, the outside, it really looks like a huge screen. Yeah, uh, from the outside, it looks it looks massive. And when you're looking in the windows, you can you can tell all that uh, that you know it looks huge. Um, so you know, we were one of the first things I was excited to do was to to open the door. Um, but we started with the trunk. So oh uh, wait, before you go in, how, yeah. what kind of wheels did it have on it? It had the sport wheels, um, okay. and they they look great. Um, I'm definitely excited. I, I wanted to get those and they look really good in person. And even though they're 19s, uh, they, they fill out the wheel really well. And I feel like they just, they definitely look relatively sporty. Um, how did like, the, uh, 19 inch wheels handle the bumps of, uh, Santa? Oh, we'll get to ride. We'll get, later. We'll get yeah, to yeah, ride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm jumping ahead. No, no. All so right. then, so we open the trunk and one of the things you notice really quickly is how high the trunk goes. Um, in photos you can tell cause of this double hinge, but in person, you know, having just used my own trunk, I was putting some stuff in there to keep it safe, like my backpack and whatever. And you know, it sort of, it just sort of pivots on one, you know, hinge, but you mean in, the, 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 the trunk, when you open it, like the, the yeah, the, the lift gate, like opens really far up and back, like, be, because the, the glass, it, it sort of opens up like behind the glass in this weird way. So, oh, so you've got like a really, really tall opening trunk, but actually not a very big opening. Yeah. Like, where, that's so, weird. Yeah. So it's, it's quite, um, you, you get a lot of the um, Z-axis available to you, where in a lot of trunks, like the, the deck of the trunk, the, the lift gate of the trunk is sort of still in your way. Yeah. And in this thing, it lifts really far out of the way. So you pretty much have the entire aperture of whatever opening there is, you can get stuff into it. So it's not like a, a, you know, a two-dimensional rectangle that you have to shove stuff through. You've got the Z-depth that you right. can sort of position stuff like you could you could drop stuff in from on top like above it which is different <laughs> right so but do you think it's like it opens so tall that it's going to be hitting like the top of your garage or carport or something i don't think that far but it's definitely higher because they have these special handles that are lower than like in a lot of trunks you can just pull down on the trunk opening where you would lift it from because yeah. you can reach but they have these uh like nice soft rubber insets that are in like the trunk panel so when yeah, it's up you can grab that. it right yeah so it's sort of it's this hybrid thing it's basically trying to be a hatchback but it's actually still a full trunk does um, it have uh does it does it have a button to close it automatically or do you have to reach up and close it it's fully manual so you have okay. to lift up and and close it um but it was uh definitely very solid the the, the well below it where you can open the sort of false bottom floor where like the gas tank and a lot of traditional vehicles would be is huge. I mean, it's basically like a, one of those Coleman coolers that, you know, is like a, you know, up, up in between the personal size and like the full on, uh, you know, eight person family kind of one. Um, how many six packs can you put in there? You could probably fit three, six packs in there, maybe right. a little bit more if you could get them side by side. Um, so it so, doesn't have a spare tire in there, right? So no. that's where the space is, is going. Yeah. And so that's where they were keeping their, uh, charge cable, uh, charge okay. adapter down there. And what's cool on the charge cable, we might've mentioned, but it has some sweet Velcro on the back, so it won't slide around. Um, <laughs> So when you have it on your carpet, it won't slide around and make noise when you're, you know, taking the turns pretty quickly. Right, so is that um, what it says in the manual too? This is where your sweet Velcro is? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably what it will say. The, the <laughs> manual doesn't seem to be done yet. So I'm, I'm available for copywriting in, in case they want some free it, copywriting. Is it actual Velcro or is it hook and loop fastener? I think it's hook and loop fastener. It's oh. Tesla's amazing hook and loop. Um, 
So right. so we get out of the trunk area. We close close that thing down. Uh, then we go up to the frunk. Take a look at the frunk. Um, How are it, you opening these? Like the, the so they're trunk opening the frunk. Yeah, the trunk they open. I think both of them they open with the app. Um, okay. And it definitely seems like on the app it's using the local Bluetooth um, connection. There's not uh, much there latency. Almost, yeah, there was not much latency at all, which was great. Okay. Um, and so the the frunk pops open, and you pull it up and. It's not massive, but it's for most people, they don't have a frunk. So it's sort of net new space available to, to use things for. So you're not um, going to fit a golf bag in there like the. No, no. Only if it were like for children putting, like maybe uh, a children's like <laughs> if a you're three-year-old. You're a very avid mini golfer. Yeah. I mean, and mini, mini, like, yeah, you'd, you'd have to want to be the small person. Um but uh, it's got little hooks for, uh, you know, uh, bags in case you have groceries. So it's got two little hooks that you can pull down uh, to put the plastic bags or, you know, paper bag handles on. Do you know um, if it gets warm in there? Like, is it because there's some electronic equipment that vents in that area, too. Like, is that something where you can put, like, frozen food coming back from the grocery store? Or is that going to melt it? You should put that, like, in the car. Yeah, I think you should probably put that in the trunk because the trunk is ventilated into the rest of the cabin. Um, so that will be generally more like the air temperature of the cabin where the trunk is completely isolated. So if you have something stinky, you should put it in the in the frunk. Um, <laughs> so if you're bringing home some food that you don't want to stink up the rest of the car, maybe that's a good spot for it. If you've got some cream of broccoli soup you wanted to bring home. Yeah, or you know, you've got some gym shoes or whatever, gym bag. That'd be a pretty good spot. So apparently it's about the size of, you know, a, a standard carry-on. So that's okay. what it should it should handle. It has a carpeting, um, and then you can lift up the carpeting and that's where you can get the tow hook. Um, so the tow hook is in there. Um couple other little things but um, the hook that you would then screw into the front of the car you don't screw you into don't the tow front from there yes yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah yeah and um and what else oh so you know on all the teslas closing the frunk is, is sort of a delicate thing because a the hood is uh aluminum so it's a little bit more deformable but then also you don't just slam it down you push it down and then you have both hands on each other's side and then sort of push it in and it's a little bit of a special <laughs> black art to um to make that work. And the owner was telling me, you got to be, you know, kind of careful and gentle with it. And I think anyone who has a Tesla, they, they know this procedure, but I think that will, I think you'll probably see a lot of people just like slamming their frunk and it won't latch because it's an electronic latch that pulls it in. So, uh, so it's um, kind of like those kitchen cabinet drawers where you actually put them in like most of the way and then it like goes the rest of the way itself. Yeah. Well, you still have to push it a final bit but oh, okay. it's probably better to sort of get it in position and then push it and then the electronic latch will suck it in so anyways <laughs> frunk was there um the owner had their key with them obviously the uh, the, the the um phone and they also had the key card so when they were sort of walking around and then uh it was unlocked and and then they went to the restroom and the car locked um because they walked away and so i was there with the car locked out and i couldn't really get in um <laughs> and so then they came back out and it as they got really close like within a few feet it unlocked so, so then oh did you um did you notice um like you know how on the iphone uh, sometimes like in the bottom left of your lock screen, like, uh, an app can come up cause it knows it's in a certain area. Like, is there any sort of feature where if it gets in Bluetooth range of your car, like that's the suggested app? Is there, is that, is that something that's controllable by Tesla or is that a, you have to rely on, on Apple figuring that out? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that on the app. They didn't do much with the app. It was just sort of in their pocket most of the time and it was doing all of this. So it's definitely backgrounding, um, it. Okay. And so 
uh, definitely need to take a closer look at the fine details of that because I don't think too many people have nerded out on that quite as much as we <laughs> probably would want to. Yeah. Um, so the, what you're saying, though, is like when they came back, they didn't actually unlock it. It just like when it got within range again, it unlocked the car automatically. Right. Yeah. And they had the phone in their pocket, um, so okay. they weren't doing anything with it. And then we used the key card and uh, they gave me the key card and they're like, go ahead and unlock it. And I had seen some videos, you know, of where generally it is in the B pillar and I tapped and so it and it unlocked. Can you describe the key card? Like, is it's just like a oh. credit card or is it like thicker, like a RFID badge? Yeah. So it is a credit card size thing. And um, I was expecting it to sort of feel like those titanium or metal credit cards for some reason, uh-huh. but it's a lightweight plastic, just like a regular plastic key card. Um, so it doesn't have much heft and it's also not particularly rigid. Um, so it has about the same... Uh, flexibility as a regular credit card would versus like those hard key cards that a lot of people have for work where it's like solid, you can't bend it much at all. Um, So that was just slightly off expectation, I guess. Like I was just sort of, they handed it to me and it was like waiting for it to be weightier and meatier. And it was just sort of a regular key card. So (laughs) don't really care. I mean, I don't think there's much functional reason for it to be heavier. It's just from the photos, it looked like that metal plastic stuff that all the high-end credit cards have now yeah Um, well and if you're if you're thinking about like you know if you're a slim wallet aficionado like i am and you don't want to add a thick card that's really good to know that yeah it's it's actually pretty minimal that's ideal and then it has the the uh, metal foil on it so it's you know it's uh it's not just like um silver coloring it's a an actual foil embossing on the card uh for the model three label um Mm. so anyways then i went up and tapped it on the b pillar and it unlocked first first attempt and then um uh the screen adjusts and the screen now has a little modal on it little modal window that says put the key card on the the screen inside inside yeah okay so uh, but on the outside uh is there any sort of like target or indication or or detente or anything that tells you where you should tap it no okay nothing on the nothing on the car on the card on the reverse side of the card it has pictorial instructions okay so if you were to give the card to someone who had no idea what to do hopefully they would look at the back of the card and then they would get a sense of where to tap it Um, okay all right sorry so the, the screen so then it opened, like the, the door, the, the mirrors, the owner had it set to the mirrors open, which is a really good indication, and then it flashes the lights. So then it opened, I got in, and then you saw on the screen, it tells you to put it on the center console, and you tap it there, and then it will, the chimes will turn on just as if you had like the key card in your pocket, and you could you could go. Center console, like the cup holders? Or yeah, right around where the cup holders are. Is and there a it, specific place for it? Just behind the cup holders. No, there's no okay. like slot or anything. It's just sort of completely hidden. Like you wouldn't know that's anything there or that there's a reader there or it's flat. It's just, um, it really is a secondary, like everything about this made it feel very secondary, which not as a, not a complaint. It's just, it is, it is not obvious, uh, without having the card that this exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't make itself known. There's, there's no indication exterior or on the interior that this is uh, you know, place for this because most people won't actually be using it much. And they're like, Oh, we almost never, we don't really use this. We just each have it in our, um, uh, you know, pocket when in, in our wallets. Right. Um, okay. so opening the rear door. Oh, so, so, so then the door handle, I was very curious what the door handle would feel like, how much pressure it would take. Like, would it be awkward because I've never had a door handle that's flush like this. I don't think most people have. So this is something I was can't deliver door handle where you right. kind of push one side. Okay. So, uh, basically I made sure it was unlocked and I approached the rear, uh, driver's side door 
And uh, it was pretty obvious when I got close to it that I should be using my, uh, like the correct hand. So then I pushed in with my thumb and the first time I did it, I did it pretty lightly. So I was like moving the mechanical lever to then open the, to give space for my fingers to slide behind the cantilevered part. Mm -hmm. And then I popped it and pulled it a little bit. And then you felt a mechanical electron, like electromechanical pop, like the door opened. And then I kept pulling and it had a little bit more play. And then I could actually like keep opening the door. So so it's basically a switch really. There's a switch in it. And then it has a little bit more room to just keep, you know, opening and then it deadens out. It like it hits its final position and then you're fully connected to just sort of opening the door. Okay. So you're, you're opening by wire though. There's no like mechanical linkage that's unlocking here. Exactly. So, so then I tried again a little bit quicker because now I was like, okay, I get it. It's going to pop open first and then I'll just pull on it to, to open the rest of the door. So this time I pushed a little bit more aggressively with my thumb and I got it to pop open faster. So then it popped and I was able to just sort of open it more quickly, you know, instead of just like pulling on it and then second, like it was just one smooth motion. And after I did it once, I was like, okay, I get it. It was totally fine. Um, the handle was, was strong enough. I I still can't tell if it's metal or plastic. Um, (laughs) so it's not so it's not, it's definitely not like cast metal. It's not a solid, you know, milled piece of aluminum. Like some yeah. sort of chromed metal, right? And it and it, it's definitely felt like sort of hollowed out. Um, so even if it is metal, it's probably hollowed out um, for weight. I think the the interesting thing about the door handles will be to see how people in cold climates how it handles that. How it like will yeah. it freeze? Will it will it will it snap if it's not durable enough? If it's like ten below zero and you give it a yank, is it going to break off? Or yeah. oh, and the other thing that yeah, the other thing I noticed too is that when it's like. One of the things overall I've noticed on like the exterior and, and just sort of the um, the exterior interior uh, weather ceiling, I guess, is that when I open the door, the window, you know, when the if you open a rear window or rear door on a car that doesn't have frames for the windows, the, the window will slide down a little bit because it needs to get out of the way when you open the door. And it moved down like more than I would have expected. Like it didn't just move down like half an inch to create some clearance. It moved down like an inch, maybe an inch and a half. Really? And so I feel like they're being pretty conservative about ensuring that the window gets out of the way. Um, And then you open the door and then you notice like the car has huge like seals for the side uh, panels and like for the door mating with the weather stripping and, and the, like the overarch, like the, uh, overhangs are really big. Um, so there's a lot of like car in between the outside and the inside, if that makes sense. So there's just a, a big amount of, um, like extra car that is not <laughs> interior exterior space. It's just like thick. Um, yeah. so the door is really thick. And then as a result, like the seam in between is really thick. The weather stripping is this, this huge black seal all the way around. So it definitely feels really well engineered from that point. Like there's just a lot to catch sound and water and it's just very strong. And so the, someone asked on Twitter, like how the door sound and thunk, it had a it had a good like deep thunk. And I've had a BMW 3 Series and we have a Mercedes now and um 
it didn't have that thin tinny or like <laughs> the Subaru clothes. I feel like the Subarus are like the worst example of every time I close my friend's Subaru door, I feel like it, I broke it. Yeah. It felt solid. Like there was no sense that the door was wobbling or anything like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so opening the door was great. So then I got in the rear seat and sat down and we had sat in the back, but, um, I hadn't sat in the back when it was daylight and, the, the roof above your head is really still awesome. Um, I had the, pl- glass, the glass roof over the back Yeah, seat. the glass over the back, which is standard with everyone's, was great. And I had two or three inches above my head, probably. Like, I put my hand on top of my head, and I, you know, had plenty of space. And I, you know, my hair didn't touch anything. Um, <laughs> Did you really I, have it moosed up, though? I, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of a bouffant. You've seen it. Um, you, were, you were mid mid bouffant right mid there? Mid-bouffant, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just got a haircut, so it would be a little different now. Um and, uh, so I'm like five, five, 10, five, 11, I don't know. Um, so not super tall, but anyways, um, and the other nice thing about, I, I've sat in the back of the S and the side where your shoulder, your left shoulder, if you're on the driver's side, it just slants in a lot. So sort of like being in a coupe or something where even if you actually have headroom on your right hand side, your left side might be sort of grace, great grazing the, um, uh, the, the, the sort of curvature of the, of the roof in the model three, that wasn't a problem in the model S it kind of was like, you kind of have to move your head a little bit over to the side so that you don't touch the, uh, the roof. Yeah, there's that weird, like cutout for heads. Like there's like a, a dent in the ceiling where your, your head goes. And as a tall, I mean, I'm not super tall, but like when I'm in my friend's model S, it's like, it feels a little claustrophobic back there. Yeah, in the back, right? Yeah. And on the Model 3, I didn't feel that at all because there was no, there wasn't that much pressure on the left-hand side. It was more sort of perpendicular. Um, so that felt really nice. And uh, the rear seat was was comfortable. Um, the front seat was in its normal driving position. I was nowhere close to touching my knees to the rear seat, which in some compact sedans, like, it, it does feel like you're just in, like, basic basic coach where like you're like oh if i'm if i like had an extra magazine in this pocket i might be touching it and that's really uncomfortable so i probably had an inch or two up uh i didn't measure precisely but i wasn't having problems there and the seating position wasn't so low that my knees were like up in my chin um it felt yeah. pretty good in the back so did you notice anything different uh since now you've been in the back seat multiple times because that's where we rode in right. the model three event did you notice anything different this time that you that you didn't with you this being like you know having some time to digest it i would say i noticed more um just the glass uh sure. just the glass roof that even when you're looking forward your periphery above like the upper periphery above you notices it and I think that's just sort of slightly unusual. Like when you're normally in a room, like you, you actually can see the ceiling. You just aren't actively looking at the ceiling. So when you're in a car, you actually do notice that there's a headliner above you, but it's not something people talk about. But when there is this massive amount of glass and you just notice like there's blue above you and it just feels very different because you also know it's, it's a window. And so you, it just felt extremely airy. Probably if you're wearing glasses, it might be more noticeable, too, because you tend to catch the reflections from from other areas that you might not see if there was a solid roof. And it was slightly overcast day, too. So it wasn't as if it was like a super sunny day where, you know, you'd really be like wowed by seeing a blue sky. It was sort of overcast and it still had a very prominent effect of feeling different than most cars. Like when you get in the rear seat of most cars, you're like, well, I'm just going to look out the windshield to get a sense of what's happening. 
And here you're, I was sort of looking forward, but I was seeing the roof uh, a lot in my, in my vision, um, which was pretty, pretty cool. So, and did you know, this have the glass in the front as well or? Yep. Yep. Okay. It had the glass in the front as well, um, which also helps. So when you're looking forward, you're seeing the, the roof, um, you're seeing the sunroof part area, um, the fixed glass, and then you're also seeing the windshield and you're also seeing the screen. So anytime you look through the center, you're seeing that massive screen and that pretty much is like right dead center. So the, the cutout between the two captain's seats in the front, you just see the screen, which is really cool. Um, it's and, like being in an old airplane that doesn't have the the TV in every seat. You have to look at that one TV yeah, up front. Yeah, yeah, you're just sort of looking through. But um, so that was very comfortable. The side door, um, like it has it has the uh, the the faux suede, the um, and was was soft and everything was good materials. Um, so has the, you know, the push buttons to open the doors. Yep, the push button to open the door and it has the windows. Um, the push button made sense the same way. Like you know, it pops the door a little bit. Um, it's a slightly illuminated. Uh, the door pockets are there and they are slightly illuminated. It was turning to dusk. So, um, the lights weren't on yet, but you could later we could, could tell that there was some illumination in there. Did you um, have to explicitly put any of the lights on or is it all automatic? It was all automatic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I would say that, yeah, I didn't spend too much time in the back, maybe three or four minutes just sort of sitting there and, you know, looking around and touching things. But, <laughs> Um, you know, when we were there in the dark, it was a dark interior and it was nighttime. Um, but in the daylight, it still held up quality wise. And so like the, the, the seaming, the gaps, all that was just really good. Um, and all the photos people have seen, I think just as most like furniture does, it looks better in person, um, <laughs> cause it's just real fabric and real materials. And, um, so I, I was definitely, you know, happy with that and would be happy to be sitting in the back seat. And, um, one of the owners as well, when we were driving was like, I actually really like sitting in the back seat. He hadn't sat in the back seat very much. Um, and, uh, he was like, Oh, this is actually really pleasant being here as a passenger. So I drove, so I was, I didn't sit in the back seat for the trip, but, um, so yeah, now I guess we can move to the, the passenger seat in the driver's seat. <laughs> Moving on up. Moving on up. So I got into the driver's seat and first I just sort of touched the seat because I, I wanted to know what is this, what does the front feel like? Because it's not the real, it's not real leather. They're using the synthetic leather. And I wasn't sure if it was like as soft as the white because you've been in ultra white, right? Yeah. Yeah. That has like a crazy pillowy, like calf leather softness. That's just strange. Um, <laughs> so it's not that supple i'm just imagining it, you like stopping and, and yeah. like to pet the thing and trying to make it as, as weird as possible yeah for definitely these nice people who are i know who are letting you <laughs> at least you didn't pull out like a jeweler's loop or something no, they knew and really I, get into it they knew i was excited about it so i i touched touched the seat i guess and uh was just sort of trying to get a sense for the the leather quality and um yeah, it was definitely very smooth and nice and high quality. So, you know, for anyone who was, you know, curious about, oh, it's just pleather. Like <laughs> it has the suppleness of a leather that is like from an Eames chair or whatever. I think um, yeah, that's going to be a, a one year check in sort of thing, right? Because those things are it's all about how does it wear over time. Right. Yeah. But the initial hand feel was positive. Um, I don't feel like I have uh, a real Eames chair, which is one of the like luxury items that I've always wanted and so well, those like, are ridiculously supple that's right yeah so it's like approaching that level of leather quality even though it's not real leather so hmm. um so i sat down in the seat and i 
um, let's see, it was very supportive. It was quite soft. You could feel the bolstering around the sides. Um, and it wasn't as crazy as the brand new next generation seats in like the model X that we test drove. Um, but it was not, it wasn't like the first generation or second generation model S seats that I had like the seats I rented with the model S, uh, road trip I had done. Those were not great. This is better than that. Um, and more supportive. And when I was starting to adjust everything, plenty of adjustment for me, like, the, the funny thing is with the adjustment of the seat and then uh, then they're like, oh, you should adjust the steering wheel and the mirror. So then we did that on the screen and very quickly uh, we got the steering wheel ones up and you can use the controllers on the wheel. So then the wheel controls are like a very, very good mouse wheel. Um, These are where, the two like yeah. spinny wheel things. Yeah. So they've got they've got traction they've got little nibbles on them on the top so they've got traction for your fingers to grip on and they don't freely spin like a broken mouse wheel uh, so they've got a little bit of friction in them which was you know felt good but i, I still can't I, like thinking back i can't actually tell if they have like how much notchiness they have in each like scroll position but it wasn't free spinning like a trackball so um it had some uh like little steps in it but it was so minor that it, i can't remember like where like in between like big chunkiness or free spinning trackball if that makes sense where it fell um, <laughs> so that probably means it was on the finer side though. yeah it's definitely on the finer side um and so you can spin it pretty quickly and it has a slight audible sound. You can kind of hear it click. So, it, it, you know, it, it, again, it's not fully free spinning. You can and, hear the actual button or is it the sound coming uh, through the sound system? I think I could actually hear the real button. Okay. Um, so it has a teeny clicking sound. And, um, and so then the steering wheel started telescoping out and then down and uh, using the other one. And what's funny is even though the car I have now, I think I can adjust the steering wheel uh, electronically. I, I don't really do it. And, you know, you know, getting in a new car and figuring out exactly where you want to be positioned and all that's kind of tricky because it's like, oh, well, I could be kind of far back and telescope the wheel out really far or I could be closer and put the t wheel in. And I just wasn't quite sure like where exactly I should be, but it's just sort of funny when you have that many adjustments, figuring out exactly where you want to position yourself. Like, I feel like most people have plenty, plenty of options where they want to put the steering wheel relative to uh, the seat and all that. And I wasn't, I'm actually not sure which I should start with. Like, should I start with the wheel or should I start with the seats? Anyways. Yeah. It's like when you get a new air on chair or something for your office, like there's just so many settings to change that you just really have to kind of start with something and then just tweak it over time. Yeah. Cause you got to get that stuff fixed and then do the mirrors. Cause obviously the mirrors are dependent on where you're sitting. So got the steering wheel in a reasonable spot. Like I feel like it wasn't extreme and the, the owners are like relatively the same size as me, not tiny or not huge. So <laughs> hopefully that's not giving away too much about the owner. That was near, you were going very Goldilocks there too. Yeah. I'm, not I mean, too I big, not too small. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I didn't do a ton of adjustments um, and I didn't pull it to the extremes because we were wanting to go take it for a drive. Like I was anxious to give it a drive. So, but the, uh, it's not some sort of sophisticated auto system where the internal camera can sense where your eyes are and automatically adjust the mirrors and stuff. No, no, that would be pretty cool. Nothing like that. But the, the mirrors, um, the side mirrors were fine, but the, 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 the rear view mirror is definitely like model X where it's kind of small. Um, it's very nice because it doesn't have a lot of plastic on it, 
but it is pretty small. Um, it's, not as, uh, it's not as awesome as the uh, Bolt, Bias and Bravo Bolt rearview mirror that we drove. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the uh, industrial design of this one is much nicer, but the functional, I think the Bolt is slightly more functional, uh, especially with that rear view connection to the camera. So I think that's pretty cool. But um, it was fine. Like it, 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 I got it into a place where I could see out the rear of the of the car, but it it doesn't have a ton of magnification on it either. So you see a lot of the interior of the, of the car, which I, I still can't tell if it's just a mirror choice that Tesla's making, or if I'm just totally not used to it, but, um, <laughs> it, fe- it felt di- like, I don't feel that when I rent like a Camry or something, it, this is like a sl- every Tesla I've been in, I've always felt like the rear view mirror was not as, uh, providing as much visibility into the specifics of like, the cars behind me as i would want but yeah that makes sense i mean if you're seeing the actual interior of the car or a lot of it that's that's kind of a problem right even in that's not helpful to you yeah especially in a small mirror so i feel like they could i don't know if this is common but like slight more magnification by default would be kind of nice um so then the car is like on essentially because that's how teslas work so i press the brake and everything is going and then uh, I push on the accelerator and I'm like trying to be as careful as possible because like we're in a parking lot and this is the brand new Model 3 and we're pulling out and I want to be very careful. So I push on the accelerator. They don't have creep on. So I have to push on the accelerator. And then that super <laughs> familiar, great, silent Tesla creep out happened. Um, and it's just, you know, dead silent as expected. Uh, we, we go out to the main area where I'm going to take a left. And then I push on the turn signal to go left. So I push it down. And the first thing it reminds me of is, oh, this feels like my BMW because it doesn't lock into place like most turn signals. So you push it down and then it pops back up to where it was. And it doesn't at all. Like if you push it further, will it lock in place? No, it doesn't lock at all. So it's just software like you push it down hard and it does like three, it does like the permanent clicking. If you push it down like a little bit, it'll do like one or two clicks or something. Like the lane change. One. Yeah. Yeah. So I push it down all the way and then it pops it back up into my hand, but I can hear it clicking. The clicking sound, you know, sounds normal. Uh, there's not like a weird sci-fi clicking noise or anything like that. Can and you then, tell like, does the clicking noise come through the sound system or is it like a, s- a separate? Cause it, Presumably there's just something that's making that noise or is it actually a relay switching? Do you think? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, I'm and, wondering how much of it is simulated yeah, and how much yeah, of yeah. it is real. I'm not sure. Um, and I'm not sure where it emanated from. I couldn't, it didn't, it didn't uh, strike me as like, oh wow, it's a surround sound clicking. So, um, it but just, I guess it, they could just have it coming out of like the front speakers or something. Yeah. It sounded normal. Like it didn't, it didn't strike me as particularly odd. So whatever they're doing, if it's like the fourth click touchpad where like it's faked, uh, <laughs> it, it succeeded in making it feel like every other car I've driven from a sound point of view. Um, and then I noticed a little blinking in my periphery because the little green blinking happens on the left-hand side of the touchscreen. So I wasn't looking at that, but I could tell something was happening on the screen uh, in my right eye's periphery vision. Not is there anything vision. on the, the side mirrors or is it just on the screen? Oh, uh, I, I don't remember. Okay. I would guess there is, but it, it didn't, 
Don't yeah, guess, I don't Caleb. Str- we want eyewitness testimony I, I here. I don't have a strong opinion. Like, this is why <laughs> eyewitness can be a problem. I just, I can't recall. Okay, I don't well, recall, We'll save counselor. that for a later date. Next time we get into a Model 3, we yeah. will, uh, we'll put that on our list yeah. of things to check. The A pillar, so I'm turning left. So looking left, uh, I can see what's going on. But the A pillar, the very first pillar, is kind of thick, um, as the photos sort of make it look like. So that's obviously where, like, it's a strong reinforcement part of the car, just like the B pillar. But... It's a little bit thick, so when you're looking left, you can't you can't see like the 45 degree angle of what's coming at you on the car very well. Yeah, um, like those cars with that like thick A pillar always seems to be. You really notice that in parking lots. I, mm-hmm. I find whenever I get a rental car that has exactly, that, it's like the parking lot is where that becomes stressful. Right, because I'm you know first time driving the car and you're turning left uh, on a two way like crossing thing inside the parking lot where cars are entering at 40 or 50 miles an hour from a pretty busy street. Um, so I, I really wanted to make sure, you know, we didn't get T-boned um, right <laughs> off the gate. So I sort of waited pretty cautiously. So we turn left and we get to a stoplight uh, to turn left to go onto like a 50 mile an hour, like limited access road, which then we were going to enter the highway, the 280. So I turn left and... I'm like, okay, well, let's see how precise the steering is relative to my expectation because it's a two-lane left turn, right? So also to to set the stage too, isn't this the road where Elon Musk like wrote like flipped out his McLaren? Yes, okay. yes, this is Sand Hill Road. <laughs> so this is the same place. Yeah, same place Elon and Peter Thiel flipped a McLaren. Um, okay. So we turn left, and uh, I I kind of push it a little bit to see see what's happening, and. Uh, it just went and stuck exactly to the line I was anticipating in my head and where the steering wheel was going. So it didn't have like a ton of oversteer or understeer. Like it, it just went where I want, wanted and very linearly. So we didn't, I didn't floor it obviously off, you know, into a turn, a left-hand turn, but <laughs> kind of pushed a little bit and then had to get over into the right-hand lane uh, to enter the highway. And the highway had a nice little sweeping turn. So there I kind of pushed it a bit. And we were probably already going like 30 or 35 miles an hour. And the road's it, pretty rough right there too, right? The, the, the road's pretty beat up. Yeah, it's sort of rougher rougher pavement there. It's not super smooth. And uh, it was extremely easy to get to speed. Like the, <laughs> the, it has the Tesla DNA that you would expect. Um, and I saw... Uh, another car that you know was going to merge in from another s- part of the entranceway, so they weren't parallel to me. They're coming on this other sort of, in, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you call that when two two lanes are going to be merging? But it's not like we have a ton of them here in California. But yeah, uh, merge. Yeah, like a, a, a pre-merge into the lane that's going to merge onto the highway. And so basically, you have to decide like, am I going to stay slow enough to let that car go, or am I going to aggressively be in front of that car before they get on the highway? And it was getting pretty obvious that I could overtake that car and make sure that I was nowhere near it. So pushed a little bit harder and we just went and it was just so obvious that I was over like there was no chance that car was going to get anywhere close to me. And well, it could have been a Model X in that area or not. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was like a Kia something or other, Um, like a blue car. Anyways, I just remember (laughs) very distinctly like. Hmm. If I was in my Mercedes, like if I were to do that move, it would definitely strain the engine and it would kind of be noticeable to the passengers that I was accelerating to really make sure we weren't going to, because if I had stayed at the constant speed, the important piece is we probably would have been very close to each other. So I was actively going to have to slow down or speed up and I chose to speed up and it was no problem. Um, so then merging on the highway was super easy. Like it wasn't super busy. Um, 
And luckily, this car had already had enough miles and had the firmware to do autopilot. Ah, yes. So <laughs> uh, we got into uh, the, you know, the second lane, I guess, from the I didn't want to do it in the entry lane. And then I turned on autopilot, just flicked it down twice, just like the, the normal maneuver you do, just on the only stock. So there's a, the, the stock on the right-hand side? Of yeah, the, that you okay. would put into drive or reverse, and you just double-click it down. And it um, uh, just like the, um, the left-hand stock, it doesn't actually move into any position. So, you know, in old-fashioned transmission, uh, automatic transmissions like the Dodge Caravan I had, like it really kind of... It, it was in a different position every time you moved it. This thing is software in that way. Like you click it and it, um, it doesn't actually have any like different states. So like a driving video game. Yeah. It has like infinite ways you could, you know, keep clicking it. So you do a double tap down and autopilot turned on. And, um, what was interesting was I did it and only auto auto, uh, the, the, traffic aware cruise control turned on and then the owner who was looking at the screen was like oh auto steer isn't available yet because it hadn't picked up the lanes so i was a little disoriented for a second i was like oh did i do something wrong and then they're like oh now it's available so the the car had the functionality but it hadn't like recognized its surroundings is that what you yeah and so i i wasn't looking at the screen to validate that the little uh steering wheel was in the gray icon state right so this was the first time i noticed that the you know, the screen not being in front of me, I, I didn't, like when I was in the SNX, I would notice that those had lit up and then I would try it. Where in this, I was just like, oh, let me just turn on autopilot. And because I wasn't looking actively at the screen, I didn't know if it was available or not. I was just like, oh, I'm on the highway. I should be able to turn it on. So this was the very first little hint of uh, a slight downside of not having the binnacle in front because while it's pretty minor, like I, I could have just looked to the right to see if it was available like nothing bad happened it just turned on the you know the traffic aware cruise control because that was available it and then like they could have also if they would have put some sort of haptic feedback in the in the controller when you tapped it the second time it could have given you some sort of feedback that that was not available right yeah or the wheel or some, something like I, I feel like um it's a pretty minor thing but it's a little bit enigmatic of one of the challenges of not having the binnacle is these things where you would more passively have an understanding of the situational awareness like whether or not you can turn on autopilot um especially because i was just so you know just trying to be very careful i was just not (laughs) taking my eyes off the road um well and for tesla from tesla's perspective the last thing you want to do is get people questioning when autopilot's available right like you wanted to feel like omnipotent technology you don't want it to be like oh god can i do it now can i do it now can i do it's not the kind of subtle question you want people asking themselves yeah and i wasn't quite sure what state i was in right because i'm not looking at the screen so i kind of thought it was on and then i like went to like let my hands loose on the wheel and nothing like i didn't feel the wheel moving and they're like that's why we don't like modal interfaces kids yeah so anyways um and i think it might have i don't i can't tell i can't remember if it made a slightly different chime or not but you know that's slightly a problem if i I can't remember if there was a different sound for auto steer versus (laughs) not so anyways Within a second or two, I was able to turn on auto steer. And obviously the 280 is one that Tesla like drives a lot, but it worked great. Like we had the, uh, it was keeping distance and uh, the owner keeps a pretty close follow distance cause they have to commute um, around here where uh, it's pretty busy. So it was getting pretty close to the vehicles, uh, closer than I would, you know, want to cruise on the highway at, but you know, in stop and go traffic, it would be fine. And, you know, went around some bends and, 
it was fine. I mean, it was only maybe three exits, uh, two exits. So it wasn't, it was maybe 10 minutes on the highway, maybe even a slightly less. So I certainly did. This is not a review. I didn't get to do like a massive amount of autopilot testing, but <laughs> it worked. And then I looked at the screen and I was able to see like the vehicle in the lane. And so they have a similar interface to the, the S and X that we've done in autopilot where it's like, giving you the video game view yep. of like what it's seeing. Okay. Yeah. So it has that and has a slightly more bird's eye view. Um, so you can have more space around it. Um, and because we were on a real highway, I could change lanes. And one really nice thing about the model three that I don't, haven't heard a lot of people talk about is that because the, the left hand, uh, the, sorry, the, the, um, uh, lane change is now more software based like a BMW is when you do the automatic lane change, when you push the stock down to turn left and, uh, it changes to your left lane. Uh, in the Model S and X, you actually have to flip the uh, um, turn signal back up when you're done to sort of signal that you've completed the lane change. Otherwise, it'll just keep, you know, clicking. <laughs> On the Model 3, it, doesn't, it automatically stops itself once it's in the lane. So it's just kind of nice. So you signal once, and then you don't have to interact with the turn signal again. So that was kind yeah. of a neat little detail. Yeah, that's good. That's what I would expect, yeah. Yeah, but I think actually because the other turn signals in the S and X are like mechanically like locking into place, they actually don't have a way to pop them back out. Um, there's no like servos or mechanical actuators to pop them back. So you actually have to do it. Where in the three, even the turn signal is cognizant that it's kind of more software based, um, which is uh, sort of the overall theme of the Model 3. Um, so, so how did the how did the screen feel when you were in autopilot mode? Did you get a different perception of the screen? Did it did it have a different information or were you able to look at it more? Yeah, I mean I glanced over at it more. I think overall I wasn't super comfortable just driving the car and I was definitely being, <laughs> you know, eyes forward. Um so I didn't I didn't rely on the screen very much. Um one thing that's interesting is that the scroll wheels on the steering wheel, there's no way to adjust the autopilot speed or you know, track, uh, cruise control speed unless you touch the touchscreen right now. Um, so this will probably change in the future, but right now you have to touch the screen uh, to adjust the speed. So um, I, you know, I popped it up five miles an hour and dropped it back down just to sort of play with it. But Can you push it up above the posted speed limit? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can go up to like 85 or 90 if you want to. Um, so uh, that was fine. Um, and then, then we started turning on some music. Um, and I got to say, the sound system was excellent. Uh, I was very impressed with the overall quality of the sound. And even at speed, the sound system was really, really solid. Um, so then we exited. Did you and, put music on or were you listening to the Tesla show? Yeah, they, they, we had some music on. So they were using Slacker, the streaming audio, and they had like... Um, uh, one of the, they put on one of the songs from like the new Apple commercial, the AirPods commercial. Um, <laughs> you're mixing your brands here. Yeah. But it, so I think we put it all the way up to like 10 or nine, like pretty much the full on, uh, amount. And I would have thought the Elon sound system goes to 11. Well, that's, what's funny is actually it doesn't have the, um, indication for the, uh, number like it just has a slider so uh, i think that's why it doesn't go up to 11 um but um it was very clear there was no distortion at that full full amount and 
Um, the soundstage was like really good. There was no like place where I was like, oh, that I can tell that's coming out of the front or coming out of the back. Um, there is a subwoofer in the vehicle with the premium sound. So I would say definitely better than the S that I drove, which was a 2015 or 2016. Um, and better than the Mercedes that I have now. Um, and, uh, just generally better than almost any other rental car for sure. And, um, very clear, even though it was like streaming radio, like, you know, it, it wasn't like lossless audiophile level, uh, 20, you know, 94 kilohertz, whatever. Does this have uh, AM FM stereo available or radio available yet? Or is that still it didn't, coming it didn't, soon? Yeah, it didn't yet. Um, but, uh, they expect that the FM will be coming in eventual and in a software update. Um, oh, I, I did put the iPhone in the holder area and I have the new iPhone 10 and it fit well and, you know, you put it in and charge. Yeah. The, the 10, um, the, X, the iPhone X, the 10, um, and it fit, it fit fine. Um, didn't roll around or rattle around or anything. So that was really nice. Um, did you say the wireless charging was working? Is that what you said? No, no wireless charging. It oh, has okay. a, it has a lightning. I don't think the wireless is that important actually, because you just dock it. It's not, it's not a problem. There's no wires really. Like there's just this little plug and you pop it in. It's just like a dock. Like it, but why would you need, it's got Bluetooth if, and it has wireless charging. Why would you need to plug anything in? I don't know. I would still probably prefer it because I've used those Qi chargers and if it gets slightly off the center, it stops charging and it, yeah. you wouldn't notice. So I would still probably keep using the, you know, the charger for a little while. Anyways, okay. um, the, adjusting the volume on the steering wheel is great. Oh, the other thing on the steering wheel Sorry to be a little scattered, but um, <laughs> in I've always been really dubious of this steering wheel. Like the first time I saw it, it looked kind of cheap uh, in the in the spy shots. Yeah. But in, but in person, um, it doesn't. A lot of photos show it as kind of shiny, and it looks like there's like a lot of hum like oiliness on it, and like just grimy or whatever. Obviously, this one is new, but it didn't it didn't have that quality that a lot of the photos show it as, and. When I grabbed it and like was holding it, it actually has a really good amount of padding in the leather. So in a lot of photos, it kind of just looks like a solid like um, plastic or rubber steering wheel. But because it has that same synthetic leather wrap, it also then has some padding underneath it. And it just had a really nice feel. Um, so I was actually really happy with the feel of the steering wheel. So I sat down in the seat very beginning and I put my hands on the wheel. I was like, oh, this feels great. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. So that was one thing that was like positive on my, you know, beat my expectations of, I wasn't expecting the steering wheel to feel like notice the steering wheel, mm -hmm. but it actually was, uh, kind of positive in that way. And the, does position, it have a, is it still a press the center to honk the horn or is the yeah. horn somewhere else? Yeah. You still push the center to honk the horn and the, um, the buttons are in really good spot, um, relative to like the height of the wheel and where you should have your, your hand. So, you know, the, the, the music was on as soon as I sat down. And I instantly just, you know, use my left thumb to scroll it down a little bit to make it quiet. And, you know, they hadn't told me how to do that or anything. And my hand was instantly right there. So, oh, and the other weird thing is, you know, in a lot of cars on the left-hand side, like there's the, uh, when you're sitting down, like you've got that left-hand stock, but a lot of times there's a cruise control stock. And like in Mercedes, there's like three stocks in there for adjusting the telescoping. Like there's just a lot of controls behind the left-hand side of the steering wheel. And it was sort of strange because there's only one on the te on the Model 3. And so it was, I sort of had this like phantom wanting to touch the controls behind the left-hand side of the steering wheel. So I, <laughs> I would hit the, the, the left-hand uh, turn signal 
and then I would expect to kind of have to move my hand around these other stalks not to touch them, but there was nothing there. So my hand was sort of just muscle memory, like avoiding these other stalks that didn't exist. So it just felt like strange <laughs> phantom, uh, you know, turn signal indicator kind of stuff over there, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I get that. I get that every time I get a rental car when I try and push the clutch in that doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, oh, also, uh, the, the dead pedal, there's like a real dead pedal with a plastic, uh, like rubbery place. Oh, cool. And so that was really nice to have that to, you know, brace against when you're going around these turns. Um, so we exited the highway, um, turned off autopilot and wanted to do some twisty roads. So we got off the exit where the um, page mill exit and we went by the headquarters, Tesla headquarters. And as you know, that part of the road, like if you go left after Tesla, um, there's like, you start going up some hills and around some corners and like some tight roads. So then I'm Rastadero up in that area. Yeah. Around that area. Yeah. So we went past the Tesla headquarters off of Page Mill and then turned left at the end of that road. Um, and, uh, and so then we, I put the steering, it, it was in comfort and I asked them to put in the sport. So we put in the sport and it instantly on, on the fly. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it instantly heavied up the wheel. Um, and so I was driving the model S I had rented in, in sport mode and it almost felt heavier. Um, so that was really nice. Um, I just, you know, sort of fun if you're, if you're doing like tight turns, having in sport mode for the wheels, kind of cool. So, and is that just adjusting the steering or the suspension as well? Or how how many things change? I think I can't tell. I know the steering wheel did. It doesn't have air suspension. So I'm not sure if it has active dampers that would change their dynamics, but the only thing I could tell was that the steering wheel got heavier. Um, Put like more exciting music on to it. No, it didn't, it didn't do anything like that. (laughs) So we then uh, started going around some of these turns and it had the full Tesla DNA. Like it's low. It doesn't doesn't have a lot of body roll. The acceleration is extremely linear. Um, The zero to 60, you know, I think belies a bit of the 30 to 60 speed. Like it doesn't have that gut punch like the ludicrous (laughs) cars have. Yeah. But but it has that instant like oh i want to go a little bit faster like it has that where the bolt kind of doesn't really have that like the bolt was kind of surprising on its low end ability but then when you're at highway speeds it didn't really have much oomph left the model 3 is kind of the reverse where it has strong pickup obviously but if you're going at 10 or 15 miles already and then you pump it a little bit then it really can surprise you relative to what uh you know an internal combustion car could do so that was really fun and the regen obviously is really fun as well when you're going down these like left hand downward sloping turns instead of having to break into the turn you can just sort of let up on the accelerator and you use the uh regen like you would use engine braking in a manual transmission so it was it was really precise um and I was able to do those turns at, uh, you know, a safe, but, you know, sporty <laughs> clip. Um, I imagine you were probably getting a little more aggressive as the, as the test drive went along, right? And yeah. A and more we were, comfortable. you know, in some of those roads, they're like, you're, you got to slow down to 15 miles an hour to go around these hairpin turns on some of these roads um, yeah. behind the Tesla headquarters. So, you know, it's just a, a question of how quickly do you slow down to 15 miles an hour? Um, and then how quickly do you get out of 15 miles an hour? But it was, um, it was great. And it was really fun. And the other thing is, as I was glancing over at the map, 
the map like updated way faster than the SNX. Like it, it was way better. Um, Even over the uh, crappy Palo Alto cell phone signals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it, I think it's definitely, I, I'm pretty sure now it's using vector uh, instead of uh, raster tiles. Um, uh-huh. So uh, it was able to keep up a lot better. Um, and even in satellite mode, which is obviously using raster, it was definitely uh, better, better about that. And just the general responsiveness of the touchscreen was uh, what I would consider now acceptable, like smartphone tablet level. Where oh, I would, really? I would consider the SNX like substandard. Uh, and so like, what is the, the resolution like? Can you see pixels or is it more retina-ish? It's more retina-ish for sure. It's definitely better than the SNX. And it also feels more like the, the laminated um, style of the current iPhones and Android devices versus being really deep in the oh, glass. There's, there's like not much of a, as much. Yeah. Of there's a not gap. much air gap. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so it feels more like a modern display and um, the colors are just a lot sharper as well. So it's just a brighter display. Viewing uh, angle is good. Yeah. The viewing angle was great from the side. I didn't get any like dimming. So I guess it has to be right. Cause the only person looking dead on is the person sitting in the middle in the back. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most unique parts of these displays is that if you look at your iPhone from from the side of this kind of oblique angle, it's pretty dim. But yeah. the well, especially the, the screens, X, yeah, that ten. Um, so, anyways, uh, we're going around these turns, whatever, um, and just doing you know fun acceleration runs or whatever. And we turned the music all the way down, and I wanted to hear how quiet the car was, and. It was very quiet. I would say it was more quiet than the S. Um, the car noise or road noise or both? Everything, just sort of what the interior cabin felt like. So hmm. I was kind of expecting like, okay, well, uh, a, a slightly lower end S or X is going to have slightly more road noise. Like most more entry-level cars have less sound deadening and less uh, insulation and all these things that make them less high, you know, better noise um, dampening. And I would say it's better than the S. Um, and I just can't remember. I didn't have enough time in the X to really be able to say, but it was, um, it felt very quiet and very solid and And no, like typically you're comparing it against the S and X, which are uh, comparing it against a internal combustion car. It's probably, you know, radically quieter. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's for anyone who had never driven one of those cars, it's going to seem ridiculous. And, uh, I was just trying to think about this, like, well, are they skimping out on the sound deadening and being like, well, our, our target threshold is going to be higher than the S. And I think it's probably actually lower. Um, and that was really positive to experience because we only got to go at like 20 or 30 miles an hour in the, uh, in the ride we got on the, in July, um, so we didn't really get to evaluate it very much, but even at highway speeds, uh, it was pretty quiet and we had the, the music on and I wasn't really sensing the road noise or wind noise. And it was very planted as well. Like we were going 65 and, um, it, it was tracking straight and not like, you know, it wasn't squirrely in any way. Uh, it's still heavy car. So that kind of helps. And to your <laughs> point about the 19 inch wheels, like it didn't feel particularly harsh, um, you know, none of my fillings were popping out or anything like that. So <laughs> it was, you know, still smooth enough that, uh, it felt good. Um, what else can I say? I mean, the visibility out the front, like the windshield is better visibility than the S, but certainly still not like the X where you can, uh, it, it's like 
dramatically different than any other vehicle you've been in. But was the overhang like high enough or did you have to like bend down to see stoplights? Oh no. So that's the nice part is that it's still, it's a little bit more vertical. So you don't have to like scooch your head under to see stuff. So that's quite nice. So, uh, the more practical visibility of why a lot of people like crossovers and SUVs, this has more of that characteristic. Um, and then do you see any of the hood when you're looking forward or is it, is it, you does see, it all fall away? You see a bit of the front fenders, but you don't see the center part of the hood. Oh, so okay. it, it looks like you're driving a Porsche um, because <laughs> you just see these two little curved uh, wind, like where, where the lights would be on like a 911 or something. And little then guys see, keeping you on the road. Yeah, exactly. And then you can see the road really clearly. Um, and, and it seems very stubby, like short, um, because you, you are sitting pretty far forward. And the cars, it, when you're driving the S, it feels like you're driving a long vehicle. And the Model 3 was just so nimble and tight and short. And because the the rear of it is more like a Model X where it kind of ends where it ends, it doesn't have like an extra trunk piece so there's not as much junk in the trunk not as much junk in the trunk it just sort of falls off like flat like a hatchback would um that when you're looking out the rear you have a much better sense that like that when you see the car behind you that's where the car is um versus like hoping they're not actually closer than they look um how about backup camera how was that did you try um, try to go into reverse at all yeah it looked like it was pointed down a little bit more than it should and that might just be software crop or alignment but um it was okay but it wasn't as great as the snx um it did have it did have the backup lines but does it have a distance readout or does it tell you at all like how close you're getting the it does on the um uh not on the camera angle but on the uh information panel on the left hand side of the screen for the car so it tells you in inches how close you're getting or if you're backing up um sort of how many inches from hitting something you are so that sort of fluid curve line you see in front of the vehicle for the parking sensors mm-hmm. it still it has that which is really great um and does and, this, did it have any automatic parking or is that not on there yet um i think the latest firmware does have that but um we didn't we didn't try that out um so i guess like some of the other things people were asking about were like uh the overall fit and finish i would say it was very good um you know it it is what it looks like and if you were to look at a model like a you know the finishes or the leather in a bmw or an audi or a mercedes online like obviously it doesn't look as good as it feels in person so you have to give that same uh, extra credit to Tesla as well. Like if mo- if you're just seeing photos of it, it's never going to feel as good on a photo as it could in real life. Um, but I wouldn't say the photos look better. Like it, it looks better and it feels better in person, um, which I think is pretty standard. So it's not as if the photos are like, uh, giving it extra points. Like you, it's not like you see it and disappointed. Um, um, range like we didn't drive that far but i don't think i mean i looked at the range once and we had like 200 some miles so i was it wasn't like the leaf where you were just seeing the miles flying oh my god i think i looked at yeah like i said like i looked at the range maybe once i had no concerns about that i mean this was a long range version it had over 200 miles on it and it wasn't a concern where when we were in the leaf like every mile we were sweating and it was full when we started so yeah to totally be fair though as, as as we said during the episode in case someone wants to complain it was an older car and the battery wasn't in great shape so you know you can listen back to that episode and, and get all those caveats but yeah it was harrowing 
Yeah. So then I would say that the um, like the overall handling of it was very, very solid. And I would say even more than the, the three series I had, which you could lose grip a bit and it was an automatic BMW. So, you, you know, when you you're always still fighting a little bit with the automatic transmission about being in the gear you want it to be in and waiting for it to change gears and then waiting for it to, you know, rev up a little bit. The, the three doesn't have that. So even with the same like raw specs, when you're actually driving it, the mind meld between what you want to do and what the car will do is so much tighter that it makes it feel much more performant um, and compliant than even nice, like it's competitive set. Um, so I feel like a lot of people who might look at the specs and be like, oh, well, you could get like a nice BMW 3 Series that has a similar 0 to 60 and that should be fine. Like it still will feel more special, uh, I think. And <laughs> um, even more so than the Model S because the Model S, like it's a bigger car and you know it's a $100,000 car. So you're instantly like expecting a certain level and $100,000 cars generally are pretty solid and fast and just like, you know, it's kind of special. But a $35,000 car is, or $40,000 car, $50,000 car is not always going to make those same trade-offs. And this definitely has the Tesla DNA. Um, so if you've ever test-driven a Tesla or Model X and really liked those characteristics, this definitely has it. And it didn't feel diminished. It just felt, you know, it's just smaller. And from the driver's seat, it's better, I think, because it's a smaller vehicle, so it's easier to maneuver, uh, has a shorter, you know, hood, it has a shorter wheelbase, so it's easier to toss around. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it just overall felt really great. And I just wanted to keep keep driving it around. It was just fun. It kept bringing smiles to my face every time <laughs> I would just sort of push it a little bit. Um, but you did have to give it back, right? I did, I did have to give it back, yeah. Um, didn't hear any rattles or squeaks. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just overall very fortunate to get to drive it. And I would say that if the sort of it, it was what I was hoping for and what I was expecting Tesla would do, and they did it. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's all the niceties people have pointed out of like it has door pockets and, you know, the screen is faster and all these things like all those are true. Like those are real. It's a real car. Like it exists, all these things. And, um, actually driving it was what I had hoped for. Like all the things I had said of that test, the model S review and like the time I had with the model S I was like, I really want this car, but I don't want the model S. I want the, the model three size. And I was like, I just really hope that it isn't a watered down version of a Tesla. Um, and I would say unequivocally, it is not, it is the Tesla through and through and uh, in some ways even better because of just, you know, physics. So um, I'm just really, really happy with it. Yeah. Cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. So hopefully I'll get to, you know, find another one to drive some point now, you know, they're becoming me, common on the roads <laughs> around here now. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more of them. It definitely seems like the, the production's picked up a bit and I would, I would definitely say like, I am more excited to get my own, now and i'm excited that the software keeps improving 
I would I really want to try autopilot a lot more with it um, since I haven't tried the autopilot two very much. The last car I tried was the autopilot one. Um, and just sort of living with it more, I think would be really kind of cool because most people have just had, you know, a couple days with it at max. So, um, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. So any, any other things we didn't cover Mike or questions you had about the time with it? I think that was it. I wish I would have, wish I would have been there, but, uh, I feel like you gave a pretty good, uh, Pretty good summary right there. Oh. And it sounds like two thumbs are, are pointing up right now. One last thing that I oh. haven't heard anyone mention. You mean Sorry. one more thing? One more thing. It could, there could be more. Um, the sound of the motor. So I've talked about this in the past. Like you can hear the motor whine a little bit in these Teslas and I kind of like it. I think the sound is special and different. And in, so this was a rear wheel only rear wheel drive only. And um, it had an even deeper sound. So in a lot of the Teslas, it sounds a little bit like higher pitched kind of whine, like this had a deeper, like whoosh when you'd accelerate. (laughs) It sounded more like the millennium Falcon, like gearing up, um, like about to do the Kessel run or something. Yeah. It was really cool. I, we all sort of noticed it was definitely a deeper tonality than, um, the S's and X's. And I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I found it more pleasurable and well, more like Well, it's a like whole different meaty. motor, right? This is yeah, a, it's a different not design. the AC motor. This is the permanent magnet motor. Yeah, maybe? it's permanent magnet. They might have it in a slightly different casing and where it's positioned. But anyways. I mean, they could be just piping sound in too. Yeah, I, I hope not. But it, <laughs> it did have a very distinctively different sound than the S and X. And I found it more pleasing. And mm. I think lower tone, like lower vibration, like lower um, frequency noises sound better than higher frequency noises for you know most things um especially for like you know like it still was time to the acceleration but it just sounded more like a deeper whoosh and wind up so Hmm. i hadn't heard anyone really mention that and maybe it was just this particular vehicle but it still has very cool sound and also um if you don't need dual motor for like snow reasons I didn't find any squealy, like squirreliness or losing traction uh, at all with just the rear wheel drive. So for me, I'm still perfectly happy with rear wheel drive. Also, well, the suspension. We live in, in rear wheel drive country, right, right. though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people still want the dual motor because they like, like the performance dynamics of having the front wheel drive. And, gotcha. uh, you know, obviously it does have a difference, but in the car i didn't i didn't feel like i needed it i wasn't like hmm i bet this car would be awesome with dual motor like it didn't come up at all as i was driving it um and even though it doesn't have air suspension um i didn't find the ride particularly rough or like ugh, this would be better if it had a better smoother more like lexusy suspension so you know your mileage will certainly vary and this is a very personal opinion type thing but um <laughs> if you are like if you've driven a BMW three series before, like it's probably a little bit smoother than that just because the car's heavier. But, um, anyway, sorry, two, two last things, I guess there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right then. So, um, yeah, if, uh, if anyone wants to, uh, is, is planning to buy a model S or X before the model three, uh, maybe you're thinking of, uh, getting one of the used models or, uh, an inventory car. Christmas uh, can, is coming up. Christmas is coming. Yes. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the tax credit. I really hope that doesn't get pulled, um, very yeah. selfishly. Um, but 
if you are planning to get an S or an X, you can save a thousand dollars. Use the code from Tesla Geeks, which we uh, share because they've been really great to us, and uh, we're going to be at the uh, semi unveil in the next couple days. Uh, are they going to let us them. get in the cab and pull the horn? <laughs> I don't know. We, Elon has said it's going to blow our minds, so that would be that would be kind of cool. Uh, I really right. do hope so. So um, you can use it in the show notes. Uh, the link is there. You save a thousand dollars. Um, and, uh, that helps support the show and helps us get to go all these awesome Tesla events. And, uh, if people want to get in touch with us, Mike, how can they do that? Oh, geez. I got to remember now it's been, yeah. I'm, I'm a couple episodes out of practice. Uh, I believe you can reach us on Twitter. Our screen name Still is a thing. at the Tesla show. Uh, you can, uh, tweet at us in 140 or now 280 characters. Oh, uh, boy, we please are use on 140. <laughs> Expand on your thoughts. Go right ahead. Don't no, edit yourself. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, you can reach us on the World Wide Web at theteslashow.com, where we post episodes. You can play them on our site. You can leave comments. Uh, and if you would like to get into more detailed, threaded conversations, you can visit us on Reddit uh, at reddit.com. We are at r slash theteslashow. Yes, and our Is website. That That's all of them, right? What about our website? I already did that. All right, good. <laughs> just checking. Just checking. Well, just in case you skipped ahead, our website is at www.thetesla.show.com. Excellent. Although the www is a little retro right there. That was a I'm not sure I went dub dub dub. Yeah, you don't you don't even need that anymore. These yeah, browsers partying are so like smart. it's 1999, man. Yes. Um all right, cool. Well, uh, talk to you again next week, Mike, and I think we will be covering uh, unless something crazy happens, the Tesla semi, so that should be pretty fun. Mm-mm. Yes. All right. Talk <laughs> to you later. Bye. Bye.